Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, Decatur City, so good to see all of you all. Let's make a little bit of noise. Hey, so good to see you guys in the building. Uh, Let's give a very special shout out to all of you all who are watching online and those of you who stood up late to watch Colorado versus Colorado State. I know some of you all chose to maybe stay up a little bit later and you're watching from the comfort of your home. I literally had to make the decision last night. Y'all, I've just been sucked in by everything related to primetime Deion Sanders. And I've, I've just, I've been sucked in. So literally last night I got to halftime and I said, Stephen, you have to go to sleep. And I closed my phone, woke up at 4.43, saw that they won. I said, here we go. But uh, I felt like I need to make a good decision to get a little bit of sleep so that um, I would be coherent this morning to be able to talk with you guys this morning. Uh, so good to see all of you all uh, this morning. We're going to Jumping into a brand new series, uh, just a short two-week series that we've entitled Made for More. And this series is all about how God uses you to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so we're just going to spend a couple of weeks there. Uh, and regardless of uh, perhaps kind of your experiences with church or uh, religion in general, here, here's, again, what I really hope to communicate this morning, really through these next couple of weeks, is that every person in here, under the sound of my voice, uh, I just believe that God has created you for a purpose. Uh, in mind. I don't believe that you're an accident um, and that you are where you are in the city that you are, in the neighborhood and the family that you are, because God has so designed it. And here's one of the the things that I just believe about God is that if he's placed you here, there's breath in your lungs, uh, you are in your right mind. I just believe that he wants you to walk in your purpose. And uh, one of the kind of ways that we are just going to kind of connect this theme of mate for more uh, is, is with this thought, is uh, there are a number of things that God uh, can do in the world and he doesn't need our help to do. He doesn't need our help to do. I mean, God, uh, before creation uh, ever existed, way back before Genesis, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I mean, they were in community with, with one another and they did not need us. Uh, and here's what God does, because I believe that God desires that we would experience him and enjoy him, is that he creates human beings in his image and he invites us to participate in his work uh, on the earth. And, uh, and so that's, what, that's really kind of the, the theme of this particular series, that, that you are made for more. Uh, you are made to accomplish more. You're made to reach the goals and the, the desires that God has placed in front of you. And one of the ways that I really hope to kind of illustrate this is just, you know, a personal story from my own life. Uh, my wife and I love Mondays. Uh, a lot of times people think, well, you know, Stephen, a lot of times people like Fridays because Fridays means that the weekend comes. But for us, I love Mondays because Mondays means our kids go back to school. Uh, so it's complete opposite for us. Uh, here, here's what generally happens on the weekend. I mean, just our, again, our family, six kids, the house, it's just, it's chaos on, on the weekends. And so we've come to love Mondays. Uh, one of the kind of deficiencies in my leadership and just kind of with my wiring is, um, and I think, that God has really a sense of humor is that I just, I love for our house to look a particular way. I mean, I just, I don't know if any people out there, this is a safe place. Like you, you want to live in a model home. I mean, you don't want things to move. Uh, we are so far from, from that reality. When you think about just kids from four to, four to 
We have from four to 14. So we're so far from that rally, but that's just kind of my natural temperament. Like I love for the house to look a particular way. The reason that I've come to love Mondays is that Mondays generally has been when Tiffany and I have hired, you know, just uh, someone to come over our house and kind of help us to keep things in order, uh, to help us to kind of make sense of all the things that have happened uh, throughout the weekend. And so usually when our kids go to school on Monday, I mean, the house is, it's torn up. I mean, they're, you know, they're toys on the ground and there's sticky stuff on the floor, uh, there are dishes that need to be kind of cleaned and, uh, and put in the dishwasher. And, uh, you know, we'll have help that comes on Monday and the house just looks spectacular. Uh, it smells good. Uh, the clothes are where they're supposed to be. Our kids' beds are made. I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. And again, generally when we send our kids, you know, to school, uh, you know, the house is still messing. When they come back, they walk to the house and they just... I mean, they are just amazed. They walk in the house and they say, man, look how beautiful the house looks. Things are where it's supposed to be. The house is smelling good. Uh, we feel good about that. Now, again, if your parents or your nieces, you know, your aunts or uncles, like, you know, it doesn't last long. Uh, so they're back home. And in another two hours, the house looks the way that it looked before they asked. But, but here's one of the things that, that I've just grown to, to love is um, it's just the way the house looks. And Tiffany and I, about a year or so ago, we decided, uh, though we love what Mondays look like with help, we decided to invite our kids to enjoy the process. Like they've, they've benefited on Mondays from how the house looks, but we also made a financial decision. Say, hey, we need to save a little bit of money. So we're going to start like, inviting you guys to participate and partner with us so that you reap the benefits of this beautiful house, the way that it smells and the way that things look. But here's, here's the challenge with that is whenever you invite kids to be a part of it, um, the process is inefficient. It's inefficient. So when I, when I ask my son to do the dishes, it's inefficient. Like it, it's not the way that it looks when I've got help. When I ask, you know, my kids to clean their room, they take the clothes and they put them under the bed. They put them in the closet. When I ask them to mop the floor, the floor is still sticky. But because we love them and because we're trying to save a little, bit, a little bit of money, we invite them to partner with us in something that Tiffany and I could do on our own. We could do it on our own. And, and it's exactly the same way with God. God is independent. Uh, he's bad. He's in charge by himself. Like, like he, uh, in, the midst of, in the midst of his godness, he could accomplish all the things that he desires to do in the world without our help. But here's how loving God is. God actually invites us to participate with him to make a difference in the lives of other people. So, you know, on your, in your apartment complex, like in your neighborhood, on your job, like he has placed you there. And I know sometimes those people wear you out. They get on your last nerves. But here's what I want you to know, that God has placed you there because he wants you, your life, your story, your journey to have an impact, a positive impact on the lives of people. We serve a heavenly father that he invites us to participate. So here's what we're going to look at today. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about how God uses you to make a difference in this church, in your community, and in your spheres of influence. And we're going to learn a little bit about this through a letter that the apostle Paul writes to a church that he founded in Thessalonica. I've been practicing that all week in Thessalonica. And uh, we're going to be in uh, the first chapter, of, uh, first chapter of Thessalonians, verse 3. And now, before we get there, again, just let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, if you're new to church, uh, 
you've never been here for it. Like, let me just give you a little bit of context in terms of a little bit about this church. This church is a pretty awesome and dynamic church. I think when I think a little bit about the church that Paul founded in Thessalonica, it reminds me probably a little bit of Decatur, uh, but you know, there's not, there's not water there. When you think about like where Thessalonica is, it's a little bit uh, south of, of Greece. And so Paul, Paul is Apostle Paul, Paul, I mean, when you think a little bit about Paul, like if, you know, back in the day, there was kind of a LinkedIn profile. Um, here, here's what have been in Paul's LinkedIn profile. Like Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. But in Acts chapter 10, here's what God does. I believe that God has a sense of humor. Here's what God does. God chooses to take Paul from where he is. He's a persecutor of the church. He's not a follower of Jesus, not a follower of the way. And he decides to save Paul. And he gives Paul the assignment uh, to communicate the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, to the Gentiles, to people that are outside the covenant community of faith. And so Paul's life really involves kind of planting churches all throughout Asia Minor. Here's what's so awesome about Paul. Like God uses Paul to plant 14 churches. Uh, God uses Paul to write, you know, literally half of your New Testament. And so when he gets to Thessalonica, here's the challenge in Thessalonica. Generally to see a church planted, I mean, it takes, it takes time. It takes time to raise up leaders. It takes time to raise up support. Uh, here's the challenge that Paul has in Thessalonica when he desires to plant the church there. He only has three Sabbaths there, three Sabbaths. Three Sabbaths is three, three Sundays. Somebody say that's, a short, say that's a short time. That's a short time, not a lot of time. Generally, again, if you look throughout all the kind of Pauline epistles, uh, he was in Corinth for 18 months because it just takes time to raise up leaders so that the church has a firm foundation. So when he arrives in Thessalonica, Thessalonica is a mess. Here's what happens at Thessalonica. So Paul in Acts chapter 17, if you're taking notes, you can read it this week. And he arrives in the city. He spends three Sabbaths there and he begins to go into all the synagogues where the religious people of the day would meet. And he begins to communicate to the people. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what Jesus has done. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He begins to communicate this invitation to follow this resurrected savior uh, who uh, has ascended and is offering forgiveness of sins and new life. And so what, here's what happens in Thessalonica. Like, like people get saved. Like people come to trust in Christ. And here's what's crazy, y'all. Like this is, this is crazy. After Paul preaches on the third Sabbath, a riot breaks out in the city. I mean, a riot breaks out in the city. I mean, there's some folks uh, that are unhappy with the Jesus that Paul is preaching. And so this, it, here's kind of the chaos that happens. So the folks that are kind of meeting in this house church, they become followers of Jesus. They have to sneak Paul out of Thessalonica at night, and they've got to take him all the way to Athens, Georgia. So we'll see if y'all are awake. No, Athens, Greece. All right, I got, got some go dogs, go dogs in here, right? All right, so, 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 he's, so because of all the chaos and all the things that are going on, though he's been preaching this message in Thessalonica and people have come to trust in Jesus, like it's so bad in the city, the hostility towards Christians and the hostility of, of, of you know, towards the people that are following Jesus, it's so hostile that he has to be transported at night to Athens. And, and here's the sense that I want you guys to get this morning. Pastor Paul's heart for these people who find themselves in a chaotic situation, his heart is to be with them. His desire is to encourage them. Again, he's only had three Sabbaths. And so 
the Apostle Paul writes this letter to this church in the middle of this chaotic situation, in the middle of this turmoil, because the Apostle Paul, like, he doesn't know how it's going. I mean, like, he's, he's trying to figure out, like, are they still there? Are they still in their faith? Like, have they left? Like, have they been discouraged by the things that he's experienced? So, and so he writes in this letter to, to figure out what's going on. And so that's what we're going to pick up in First Thessalonians uh, the third chapter, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to have the words on the screen uh, in verse number one. So here's, we're just kind of picking up. It says, it says in verse one, it says, finally, this is Paul. He says, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy. So Paul, Paul and Silas, he said, look, we're going to send Timothy. He is our brother and God's coworker in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. We sent him to strengthen you. We sent him to encourage you in your faith. That's the context. So again, he's, he's separated from. Here's what verse three, it says, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. It says, even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did as you well know. So the apostle Paul, like he, he's, he's, disconnected from them and the people that he cares about, the people that he's invested in, the people that he wants to be confident that they're going to accomplish the purpose for which they're created. He's separated from them. And one of the words that you see consistently in this particular scripture is this word trouble. He says, when we were with you, we told you that we were going to experience trouble. And, And Paul doesn't want the trouble that he's experiencing to affect their faith. Here's what the word trouble means. The word trouble in this context means to make narrow by pressure, afflicted or stressed. To make narrow by pressure, afflicted or stressed. Here's a question I have today. Has anybody ever experienced trouble in your life, in your circumstance, on your job, in your family? It means to to be pressed. And often in our lives, in times of strain and stress, when we're feeling the, the weight of the world on our shoulders, when we're trying to kind of figure things out, we've got the financial difficulty and the relational difficulty, and, and perhaps like we're, we're, we're trying to navigate all of these different tensions. Here's the question I want to consider today, is what do we need in our life to continue to, to move forward? Again, everybody in here, you've got purpose, you've got a destiny, you've got an assignment on your life that God wants to fulfill. Let's look at verse five. So we realize the context is trouble. And here's what the apostle Paul says. He says, he says, this is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith, that word faith just means allegiance. He says, I want to check in to see how your allegiance is doing to Jesus. And if it was still strong here, and here's, here's Paul's heart. He says, I was afraid that the tempter, the enemy Satan had, had, had tempted you or gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Verse six, it says, but now Timothy has returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we desire to see you. So you have to imagine here, I want you guys to kind of get the picture here, that that Thessalonica and Athens, Greece are about 300 miles away. 
So when Paul sends Timothy, it's going to take Timothy about two weeks to get there to kind of figure out what's going on. And then it's also going to take two weeks for Paul to get word of what's going on. And and, and so you've got to imagine what Paul is feeling and what Paul's experiencing. In verse six, he says that when Timothy comes back, he gives them this good report that in the midst of all the chaos that they're experiencing, that their allegiance to Jesus is still strong. So that's good news. And here's why I want to encourage somebody today. I didn't put this in your notes, but I just want, you know, perhaps to communicate this to you today is that your purpose. Here's here's what God often does in your life is that your purpose will sustain you when chaos is around you. And that's why it's so important that you know that God has created you for a purpose. Because when you're surrounded by chaos and naysayers and when you're surrounded by people that only remember you for what you used to be, not what you're hoping to be, you've got to have purpose in your life to sustain you when chaos is happening around you. And here's the tension that I feel in this particular text. Again, I've told you a little bit. If you're new to church, new to Christianity, here's what is so odd to me in this particular text. Here's the tension that I feel. The Apostle Paul writes half of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul saw Jesus face to face. The Apostle Paul planted 14 churches. Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, is known in the scriptures as the Apostle Paul. But here's where my tension is, is that the Apostle Paul, in light of all the things that he's accomplished for Jesus, needs encouragement. That's what's so odd to me. Like, like the Apostle Paul, like this is the Apostle Paul. Like he saw the resurrected Christ and he still needs encouragement. So here's the principle. Here's the singular principle I want to communicate to you this morning. And I believe this is going to bless and encourage somebody in here. Here's what you got to know is that when you're facing hard times, when you're facing difficulties in your life, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember, hello, God, I'm almost there. Got 17 minutes. Here's what you got to remember when you're facing hard times. Here's what you got to remember. You got to remember that God uses ordinary people like you and I for his extraordinary purposes. That, That he uses regular people, ordinary people like you and I for his extraordinary purposes. Because so often in life and in church, we believe that God can only use us if we're on a stage. That God can only use us if we went to seminary. That God can only use us, uh, he can only use us when there's something that the world says is spectacular about us. But what we see in this text that God chose to use this small church, this church without a pastor, this church without resources, this church without networks and connections. God used these ordinary people for an extraordinary purpose. And here's what you've got to know this morning. If you're in this room, you're watching online, you've got to know that if if God did it in the past with the church in Thessalonica, his desire is to do it in your life. Here's a question we want to consider in our time together is what are the characteristics of this church? Like what, what was it about this church that positioned them to be used by God in such a spectacular way, though they were ordinary. So I'm going to do just the next few moments that I have. I want to share with you the three of those characteristics this morning. And here again, I just want to believe, I just believe that if God did it in the past, 
It's a model and a promise of what God desires to do in the future, but God is too creative to do the same thing the same way twice. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at those three characteristics. The first characteristic comes in verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, so we've been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles. Again, remember that word troubles. It means to be pressed. We all experience that and suffering. And it says, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. Here's the first characteristic. The first characteristic of what we need in our lives to see God use us to make a difference in the lives of other people is that we need to remain strong. We need to remain strong. Uh, as I kind of scan the, the auditorium, I can tell there's some strong people in here. I can tell y'all look like CrossFitters and like you run miles and distances and and y'all, y'all just, y'all look good. Y'all look impressive as I kind of scan the room. Nobody, nobody's going to mess with Decatur City Church because of y'all. Y'all look strong. Y'all look strong. But here's, here's the, and when you look at this particular context, this word, this word strong uh, does not mean in this particular context, it doesn't mean physical strength. It doesn't mean physical strength. In this particular context, the word strong uh, actually means, uh, it means weakness. Uh, this word in this particular context means dependency. So, so here's, here's, here's the point that, that, that God's seeking to make uh, is, is that when you think about what it means to remain strong so that, so that we position ourselves to be used by God and, and our areas of influence, here's what we've got to remember is that what attracts what attracts God and what, what, what makes us an attractive person for God to use it is not your physical strength. It's your ability to remain dependent upon God and other people. So that, that's what strength is. Strength does not mean that you have it all together. Strength does not mean that you dot every I and cross every T. Strength, strength does not mean that you don't have temptations and struggles and things that you're dealing with. Strength means that in the midst of all the things that are going on around me, I have I've made the decision that I'm going to depend upon God. And for those of you all out here that do any level of physical fitness, uh, you realize that uh, for you to reach your capacity, whether you're doing curls or bench press or you're doing squats or below prayer, like, like every person in here at some point, if you're working out, like uh, there, there's a benefit of having a spotter, Right. Here's what a spotter does when you're working out. Here's what a spotter does when, when you're in the midst of kind of physical exercise. A spotter is a person that stands beside you or behind you, over top of you. And the spotter's job, if you're bench pressing, is just to, you know, if, if you're a good spotter, you, you don't pull the weight off of somebody. A good spotter just kind of just taps the bar if you're bench pressing. Because the spotter's job is to help you to reach your capacity, for you and I to be who God's called us to be, we've got to have people in our lives that are surrounding us, that are encouraging us, that have similar values to what we have and what we aspire to, to help us be who God has called for us to be. We all need it. It says that you remain strong, you remain dependent. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, the church, we, we, we really screw this up a lot. Because so often when you think about church and what it means to be a Christian, it, we often get the perception that people that are here today, that we've got it all figured out, that we've got it all together. But, but Christianity and Jesus and who he is and what he means and what he's done, it's for dependent people. 
It's for people who realize they missed the mark. It's for people who realize they need a savior. It's for people who realize that, that outside of God's grace, I don't know where I would be. So the first characteristic is that you remain strong. Here's number two. Let's look at verse eight. Verse eight says, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. Here's the second characteristic. The second characteristic is that you stand firm. Is that you stand firm. So how do we position ourselves to be used by God, to be people of influence, to be people that he uses to to, to bless people, to encourage people, to help folks to reach their potential. He says that you stand firm. Uh, here, here's one of the things that this is, you know, y'all are smart people that, that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Is there's a big difference between standing and sitting. Right now, most of, I mean, we're all sitting here. Here's what sitting means. Sitting means I'm sitting. I'm not going anywhere. I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. I'm not at attention. I'm not on guard. There's that, that's what sitting means. It's a posture of rest. It's a posture of, of receiving. Here's what standing means. Standing is a posture of movement. Standing is a posture of attention. Standing is a posture of anticipation. And, and, and here's, y'all, here's what I don't want you to miss this morning. When we think about what it means for God to use ordinary people for his extraordinary purposes, we should not believe <laughs> We shouldn't believe that it's complex. Here, again, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, listen, when we just found out you were just standing, it gave us new life. He just says, when we figured out, when I got the report back after a month that you were just standing, he says it gave us new life. So here's an example of this, that some of you in here, you're still standing after the cancer diagnosis. Some of you are still standing after the job loss, after the divorce papers, after the health challenges, after the struggles with infertility, after the financial difficulty, after the tears that you've cried, you're still here today. And here's what you have to know in your life is that you don't have to do anything extraordinary to encourage somebody, just your life and standing firm in Jesus. God will use that to help somebody else to see who he is. He says they didn't, they didn't do anything extraordinary. When you look at the, the, the report that gets back to Paul, literally all Paul hears is that the people in Thessalonica, they just want to see him again. And God uses that to encourage them, to encourage Paul, so that Paul is able to finish his assignment. Here's what you got to know is that God will use what you've been through to be an encouragement to those who are connected to you. So this morning, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Don't underestimate the power of your presence. Like when you sing, though, you know, some of us, we can't sing. It doesn't sound great. When you sing, when, when you serve, when you park cars, when, when you minister to the kids in Wambaland or, you know, Upstreet or Transit, uh, when, when you're a small group leader for a group of high school students, like those are ordinary things. But here's what God does with ordinary things. When we take the ordinary things and we give them to God, guess what he does? He does the extraordinary. He says it gives us new life to know that you're standing firm in the Lord, that you 
in the midst of all the things that you've been through, that you have maintained your allegiance to Jesus. Let's take a look at verse verse nine for that third characteristic. Here's what verse nine says. And I can imagine as Paul, again, as he's writing this, I mean, there's, here's how I imagine it sounds like, how we thank God for you. Like that, that's, I would imagine the, the tenor after trying to figure out for a month, like how these people are doing. He says, because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. He says, we've got great joy. Remember, joy is a gift that God gives. So here's the third characteristic is the third characteristic for people who God uses to make a difference is that you bring joy. You bring joy. And here's what joy is. I got a little bit ahead of myself. Joy is a gift that only God can give. Only God can give. Taking notes today, write down Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's a, it's a gift that God gives. It's a gift that, that God gives to those who have his spirit. It, it's a gift that God gives that allows you to maintain a joyful disposition even when the circumstances don't merit it. Here's what happiness is. The difference between joy and happiness. Here's what happiness is. Happiness is when I drive through that Chick-fil-A line and I get my, my chicken with it, my, my spicy chicken with American cheese. Hold the pickles. And let me get a half and half, but more lemonade than sweet tea. Like that's happiness, excitement. That's, that's circumstantial, though it's still good. It's circumstantial. Here's what happiness is. Happiness is when your favorite football team wins a game. Excited, you're happy, you're excited, you're anticipation for all the things you do. Like happiness is, is, uh, is when you get every, every two weeks, when you get paid, somebody say amen. amen. Every two weeks at midnight, when that direct deposit hits, but the money's already spent. <laughs> come on, come on somebody. Like that's, that's what happiness is. Happiness is based on circumstances. But here's what you got to know is that God in your life desires to use not just your happiness to affect people because that's circumstantial. Here's what God wants you. God wants to use the joy that you bring to make a difference in the lives of other people. Here's what I want you to miss in verse number nine. It just, it says, because of you, we have great joy as we enter, as we enter in God's presence. Here's, here's what's so fantastic. Here's what, here's what God does through these ordinary group of believers. Uh, the Lord uses the ordinary circumstances of their life. He uses the ordinary circumstances of their life to give somebody like Paul an idea of who God is. Of just his kindness, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. Uh, and, and this is what I believe the Lord wants to do in, in your life as well. Like he, he, he wants to use the circumstances of your life, the ordinary circumstances of your life, uh, that, that when you show up in your apartment complex, on your job, uh, in your school, like he, he, he wants to use you and to leverage your gifts to help someone else experience God's presence. Here's a, just a supplementary point to this is, is what you this was really important. It said, what you fill others with will eventually fill you. What you fill others with. If you're a person of generosity, if you're a person of service, if you're a person that, that, that is optimistic about the impact that you can make in the world. And here's, I think when we see this, this with Paul, like Paul spent his life 
desiring that people would come to know him. And he, and he pours himself out. And so when Paul is sitting in Athens and he can't get back to him, here's what God does is that God uses the same people that he has filled to fill him. What you fill others with will eventually fill you. So when you're facing hard times, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that God, again, uses ordinary people for his extraordinary purposes. Really enjoy the, the Be Rich season. This Be Rich season is, is always one of the highlights of our church because we get this really intentional opportunity uh, for our community to know. And I love Andy often says that we're not just about songs and sermons, but we want our community to know that we're for them. And even if they uh, have that, you know, they'll perhaps never come to visit us on a Sunday or perhaps they're not connected to anything we do here throughout the week. Like we want them to know that we love them and that we're for them. Here's what the, here's what Romans 5, 8 says. Romans 5, 8 says, but God has demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, while we missed the mark, while we fallen short of God's standard of perfection, here's what God does. God demonstrates his love for us. And that, and that yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So here's our call to those of us that are followers of Christ, here's, here's what we need to do. We need to demonstrate the love of Jesus to our world and our communities. I want you to know here this morning that you are made for more. And so today, I'm just going to ask you to do two things as I close today. The first thing that I want to ask you to do is we, again, are this Be Rich season where we intentionally are giving to, loving, and serving our community. Here's the first thing I want to do. I want to ask you to pray. I know in the midst of the world in which we live, I mean, we are movers and shakers. We're in a city that moves a thousand miles a minute uh, that um, it can sometimes be hard to prioritize what it looks like to stand in the gap for people that really need us. And so here's what I want to just ask us to do. This is kind of my application for this for today is, is, is to pray and say, Lord, uh, in this season of my life with my time, my treasure, my talents, Lord, how can I serve you in this season? How can I serve you? Uh, and then secondly, I want to ask you that you pray. And the second thing I want to ask you to do is that you would plan. Uh, one of the amazing things that this church does is we've got literally staff and volunteers that have literally worked really, really hard over these last seven or eight months. Like Be Rich is not just something that we experienced for three weeks uh, you know, here. I mean, it literally, when Be Rich is, you know, kind of that season of celebration happens in October, I mean, we take off a few weeks and we start running again. And so Be Rich is also just this amazing opportunity to serve and to come alongside of some of our amazing nonprofit partners and not just give dollars that are going to support them making a significant impact in our community. We, we want to put our faith in action. Uh, we want to show up and help them to do what God's called them to do. So here's what I want to encourage everybody to do is again, I want you to pray. And then secondly, I want you to plan uh, and for those of you guys that are watching online, you can do this as well. And those of you guys in the room, I want to encourage you to text DCC serve uh, to five, one, two, five, five, text DCC serve to five, one, two, five, five. Here's what's going to happen. When you text that number, uh, we're going to send you just an invitation uh, to participate in one of our serve projects, one of our amazing, outstanding nonprofit partners. And here's what I want you to know, what you feel, uh, what, what, what fills you will eventually fill others. And what you're filled by, you're going to be filled by. And so I want to encourage us in this particular season to make the decisions. You know, Lord, hey, listen, I'm going to pray about this. And, uh, and I want to encourage you to reach out to a friend, uh, your small group. Uh, our, our goal is 100% participation from everybody in our church. So again, we just want to give you an opportunity to do that. And once you text that number, we're going to make sure to rescind you just some 
information about how you can sign up right after service. We'll have some of our staff that are going to be uh, in the lobby as well to help you to get connected. Uh, love you guys so much. And uh, I'm just so excited about all God's going to continue to do for us in this season. Let's continue to make a difference together. Does that sound good? Awesome. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. Our God and our Father, we love you today. Uh, we thank you. As Romans 5 Verse eight says, God, you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you give us this amazing opportunity that what we've received, we now have the opportunity to give. And so, Lord, I pray that as we pray this week, that you would help us to use our time, our treasure and our talents to make much of you and to provide um, support uh, to those that are serving in these really, really important places in our community. I thank you for every person of the sound of my voice and those that are watching online. Lord, would you help us to do what you've called us to do? We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.